This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Let me start here. I don't expect John Tory to be the mayor next week at this time. I don't. I don't think this is going to be a thing. I know there's phone polls out and there's speculation and uh, rumor. The, the two things that didn't exist about the news that John Tory gave us Friday night about what was happening in his office. And again, let me make it clear. I think I'm going to make it as crystallized clear as I can. Don't care about anybody's marriage except my own. Don't know anything about anybody's marriage except their own. I only know what I would see, and I will only know what you would tell me about how your marriage is. I always have opinions. I always have thoughts and theories. Everybody meets that couple that they'd never met before, and you get in the car with your own wife or your own husband, and you say, let's talk about this couple, and you talk about them for 15 or 16 minutes on the way home uh, with a couple traffic lights mixed in to that. So I don't I don't know anything about the story with uh, with John Tory and uh, and his wife Barbara. I don't know anything about John and Barbara, Barbara and John. I just know that I heard it cuz I saw it. It didn't look like some kind of deep fake. That John Tory said he was quitting on Friday. Like he said that. And then people said, "My goodness, there's honor in politics. You can actually resign in disgrace when you've done something to disgrace the office." of which you hold. This is really impressive that we finally have found a politician that will fall on his or her sword and say, I did it. I own it. I've, I'm going to go away. If you told me he'd still be running the budget process today, I wouldn't have believed that. So do I believe myself when I say he'll be gone a week from now? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I'll tell you why. There's more than enough occasions, more than several occasions, where politicians have actually gone and done the right thing. I thought Jennifer McKelvey would be running the show as interim mayor as I talked to you this morning. Knew it was coming back on Wednesday. Knew it'd be the story would have some, well, A, it would have legs, and B, it would take a lot of, sh- you know, sh- ship, uh, sh- shifts and shapes for over a four-day span. Stories like this do And I know that there's a telephone poll out there. And I know there's always going to be debate over things like this. And I also know the thing that uh, people are welcome to their opinion. But I think it's one I don't share that private and public does not matter. You say, well, well, who cares what the mayor does in his private life? Um, He's not in his private life if he's having an affair with a woman on the city payroll in his office and a direct non-superior. That's that. And I know there's people that are upset. I don't know that I am per se, because if I go down that, it's not even a rabbit hole. If I go in that direction, there's going to be this to get upset about, that to get upset about. And I like my blood pressure right where it is. Please and thank you. And that's the flouting of COVID restrictions, COVID warnings, COVID regulations, dire COVID emergencies, stay at home, save lives. Don't talk to your neighbor. Don't even go for a walk with them. Make sure you're not in anybody else's basement. And it, it appears, it appears, barring something dramatic, that John Tory and his um, his friend from the office were in basements and kitchens and bedrooms and hallways and offices and every freaking where. They were everywhere when he told you not to be anywhere. Big difference between everywhere and anywhere. So I've seen the speculation. I know what's out there. John Tory's not staying. 
he won't stay. And I'm more off-put. Let's even call it grossed out at the idea you think or anyone close to John Tory thinks he can say what he said Friday and then take it back. Because at some point, principles have to kick in. At some point, integrity has to go front and center. And you can't walk it back. You can't take it back. He can do whatever he wants in his personal life to repair it. For all we know, Barbara has been hanging around in Florida with her 38-year-old, uh, you know, uh, chest-shaven pickleball instructor and is having a grand old time before this even started. I don't know, and I really don't give a rip. His marriage is not my business. No one's is. I don't care what's going on in his marriage. I care what's going on at City Hall and the payroll and who travels with who and who says what and being somewhat honorable when it comes to politicians. By the way, the star, let me get this straight too. The star was blowing the whistle on John Tory before he threw himself out there Friday. Tory didn't beat the star to the story. The star was running that story and they had the meat and potatoes of it and they knew it had validity and they knew it had legs. And so John Tory just happened to go there first. But you lose all dignity to walk back what he said on Friday. You can do anything else. He can go on the radio again. He can write a book. He can be some kind of pundit. He can retire or he can go down to Florida and chase that pickleball instructor around and say, you stop it. Barbara's mine and I'm keeping her. You can do anything you want. You can't do this job anymore. Not after today. Not after tomorrow at the very, very latest. If so, then you've lied again. And more importantly, you know and you knew you were lying on Friday when you said what you said. I don't expect that to be the case. And I think he's gone within the next 48 hours. You may have thoughts on this. 416-870-6400 via text. I check in now with uh, Shiba Siddiqui. We recorded a, uh, a fun, interesting, emotional. I wouldn't say it was fun, but we felt like we had to react to it on Friday night. So it we recorded so something. Was it fun? It was so fun. <laughs> okay, maybe it was fun. This is why I'm in this industry. It's for moments like this. I didn't think uh, we'd ever get a moment like this Neither in Toronto politics with, with a politician many have deemed as yes. kind of vanilla and boring. And boring. The most yep. boring, straight uh, mayor we've ever had or politician we've had in the city. No one saw this coming. So you picked a heck of a weekend to go to the Super Bowl. I, I, by the way, I cannot, I, I can't not picture um, Barbara's pickleball instructor now, but I don't know that she plays it. And I'm so I've had the same thought. That. Let's get into that in the next segment. I really want to take a deep dive into your thoughts on Tori and what, what's happened since, because so much has happened since Friday. And it's going to continue to unfold as we go on. But I want to touch on really quickly the Super Bowl. How was that experience? Amazing, sure. It, it's um, that's the eleventh time I've gone. I'm not whole humming it. It was really, and the second time I've gone back to Arizona for it. I just love being in in Arizona. Um, the game call went superb. We obviously had a really close game that should have enthralled people right until the very end. A little anticlimactic um, the way the game ended with the kind of you, the, the Chiefs took at the knee a couple of times and then kicked a field goal. Like there wasn't a big, huge moment after the one penalty people didn't like called. And then the halftime show, people were. Yeah, there was some kind of a game going on during I know the Rihanna that. concert. I know, I know. Uh, so what was, okay, before we get into that, I just want to know really quickly, you've been doing this for 11 years. Is it just as exciting every time to get out there? Like yeah. that first breath you take? Yeah, it is. It really is. Because I, I, I think I was starting to feel a little nerves about it, and then you just want to get it over with. The morning of, you maybe you feel a little like a player that you just want to 
you want to get on the air, you want it to go well, no technical issues, and and you want to be great. And it went it went great. And social media was it? Social media was going crazy after Rihanna. People were speculating whether she's pregnant or not. Was the same thing happening out there in person? It never occurred to me. Maybe it moved so fast, and I just thought, well, she's wearing like thick clothes and and flowing like not very form fitting. <laughs> Red and was it red and black? Red and it was white? Red. It was all red. Until she reapplied the makeup from her own company well, during. That That's was, a brilliant, brilliant yeah, move. So smart. She made a lot of money out of that Super Bowl and not from them. They didn't pay her a penny. Yeah, I'm surprised by some of the reaction to it, thinking she lip synced too much. I couldn't tell whether how much. No, you can barely breathe when you're carrying a child. So I'm not surprised. I'm not either. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. Six forty Toronto. I couldn't have predicted this. I couldn't have predicted that this morning would start in a really, really important scenario for the city, and that being um, the budget session. And I, I couldn't have predicted that the mayor currently um, this morning would be the one who resigned on Friday night leading it. Um, so how comfortable or awkward or cringe, as the kids say, this is going to be today, um, I'll leave it for you to decide. But it's it, it's probably going to be a variation of all three. Once things do get going, one of the reporters that broke the story for the uh, Toronto Star uh, that we read Friday and into Saturday, of course, and we'll have one of our colleagues, Ed Keenan, on in the eight o'clock hour is Alicia Hashem. Uh, She joins us now on Toronto Today. It's great to have you on. Thanks very much for making the time. Oh, happy to be here. Could you have predicted um, that the mayor would (laughs) be running the show still on Wednesday morning when all this broke Friday night, Alicia? Um. I think generally still in shock just from like everything that keeps happening. It just seems like every day there's a new sort of piece of information and what is kind of uncharted territory. But uh, no, I think initially we assumed things would be happening faster than it was. And then when it became clear that the strong mayor powers may not transfer as people kind of initially thought, then maybe it started to make a little bit more sense. But I mean, this is a budget day that I did not see coming a couple of weeks ago at all. So there's a boldness also with where he's been at. I know, uh, you know, he went to Hazel McCallion's funeral yesterday by mutual agreement. Um, apparently, uh, Tory decided he wouldn't speak and, and the organizers of the funeral um, didn't try too hard to convince him. Then he's also at the Raptors game last night in mm-hmm. the seats at Scotiabank Arena. This is not someone that has gone into any form of exile whatsoever publicly since since Friday. Far from it. No, he's been he's been coming to City Hall. Um, he has uh, been chatting with people in in the square out front. You know, um, he he has not gone into hiding at all. And and uh, and I mean, it will be interesting today to see what he says if he does say anything. You know, there have been some counselors who have talked about saying, you know, we hope that. You know, we're not going to protest him being there, but we sort of hope that uh, he leaves it to the council who's going to be dealing with the city going forward to actually talk about what's going to happen and not be the one necessarily, you know, normally he'd be standing up there defending his budget, right? It's his mm-hmm. budget. He's more involved than in the, in the creation of it than ever before. So we'll just have to see how, how involved he actually is today and whether he's going to, like, what he's going to say to address all of this. Now, a report came around yesterday um, that seems to have some validity, I'd buy, with with Doug Ford, but has been shot down by uh, officials close to the Deputy Prime Minister, Christian Freeland. But I think that got a lot of tongues wagging in the mid of the afternoon yesterday. The idea that um, the police union, which is documented, they they put out a statement, 
uh, the premier and and the deputy prime minister all were urging him to reconsider uh, quitting, which, again, I couldn't have foreseen that on Saturday and Sunday. Well, it's been very interesting, this this talk about unresigning, right? And and as you say, the deputy prime minister, um, Mr. Finance, I guess, has walked it back. Um, or not walked it back, but like I said, that that report is not yeah. um, been characterized correctly. But um, yeah, we are definitely hearing, you know, there's a there's councillors who have been asking him not to resign, who have been trying to sort of rally some support for him. We might see some of that today. Um, you know, there's been some suggestion that he is wondering if he's made the right decision um in doing this um i'm not sure i'm not sure you know we heard about that polling that's been going around right to try to gauge like what people think of the situation um there's there's been a people have not rested one moment since friday night it seems no i think it's um i'm gonna i'm gonna toot i guess your industry and my industry's horn a little bit i think it's also really important to document that this this gets done with journalism and this gets done with local coverage. And I, I worry sometimes Toronto's always going to be big enough that I think there's going to be great newspaper reporters and coverage and there's going to be, I hope, shows like this that, that give people voices. But I worry about smaller towns. I, I do worry that something like this could happen in a much smaller metropolis, if you will, and, and it's not going to get the coverage or it'll, it'll get stifled. And there's some politicians that are Quite happy, quite happy about that um, and and don't want the scrutiny. But I think it was a really important moment to say by a newspaper, like, like support what we do here. I do. I, I think it's important yeah. to note that. No, I'm so glad you say that, because what I what I always say is, I mean, first of all, I think it's important for people to know that this, this story did break because of journalism. It wasn't, you know, there's a ton of sort of conspiratorial thinking that's been going around about, you know, was this information released strategically at this time or something like that? No, this is just, you know, the star did an investigation. Other media were looking into this too. Someone I think ultimately was going to break this story. Um, and everything that has happened since has been a result of that. It's not, it wasn't a proactive disclosure. It wasn't someone leaking information strategically on a Friday night. Like it wasn't, it was the result of lots of reporting, but, you're totally right. I always tell people like the biggest bang for your buck in journalism is like get people to, you know, support your local outlet that's covering city hall, that's covering your local politicians, because that is where all of the interesting stuff is happening. And that's the stuff that affects your life more than any other thing that could possibly be happening. So local journalism is incredibly important. What, what month was it when, Either you or Ben Spur or David Ryder got wind that something was just just afoot here. Like, are we talking before Christmas? Are we talking even as the municipal election campaign was happening? So not while the election campaign was happening. I'll say like Dave Ryder is, you know, an incredible reporter and um, Ben is as well. But Dave had heard uh, last late last year, right in December, I think, about um, marriage issues um, between the mayor and his wife. Um, but at that time, not why or what mm. more to that at that time. And so it was early February that we actually got, like, credible information about what was happening. Um, but I understand. 
you know, my my understanding is I think people were aware before that um, somewhat, um, particularly in January. Um, but no, we, I, we weren't aware during the election campaign, for example, at all. Alicia Hasham is our guest on Toronto Today on 640 Toronto City Hall reporter for The Star. Um, would you make the distinction, because I kind of do, that um, it obviously becomes more of a story. It it obviously becomes resignation worthy because this was someone in his office. I, I do think it's a story if the mayor um, is getting divorced. I do think it's a story if he decides to announce that he's getting separated. Um, but um, I think the fact this was somebody in the office, somebody in a in a in obviously a power dynamic relationship that he controls. I think that's the story. I think that's more the story than than the dalliance of of being involved with somebody else. Am I, do I have that right? You have that exactly right. I mean, if this had been a story about a neighbor, a woman, <laughs> right? Like someone completely unrelated to um, his work or anything like that, and we would sort of go like, "That's not, you know, is that really?" Um, Arder had a line about like sort of there's like a difference between what's in the public interest and the interest of the public. Yeah. And like it might have been interesting to the public to know that, but is it really in the public interest to know about an affair that is taking place that has nothing to do with his work? We might want to uh, we might want to make sure that that's the case. But the the thing here, I think, more than anything else, is not even you know if it had happened after she had left his office, I think that even sort of affects the newsworthiness of it, but it started while she was in his direct employ. And like, you know, he was her boss. He could fire her. He could promote her. He had a ton of power. And then there's his power extends beyond his office too. I think like he's a very influential person in this city. And this is not to like sort of, I just think it's important to understand that there's a lot of power there and that it is incumbent on him as an elected official who is supposed to uphold all of the, you know, the, this code of conduct, but there's, you know, integrity and transparency are also part of, integrity is part of his brand. It's something that he's like, you know, told us repeatedly over this, I'm going to be someone you can trust. And this is sort of a a big breach of that kind of promise that he's made and, and and really the focus is on his behavior i also want to say yeah it, it, it's a very and it's a very different when you say you're gonna be the the you know the opposite to uh rob ford as mayor then you can't bring any scandal into uh you know in through the doors and and now he has and it's a very different scandal than anything and everything that rob ford was involved in but it's it's scandalous mm-hmm. nonetheless of course it is yeah and and again like you know he he this is a yeah you mentioned the power dynamic and i think that's just a really important thing to understand that like you can't escape you just can't escape that and that he you know is a smart person who was in a situation where he would have known yeah what he was doing was a problem and he admitted as you know that and when he stepped down he was very clear that he understood that yeah We'll see where it goes today, Alicia. Thanks so much, and, and really appreciate you coming on. And uh, and yeah, obviously a, a massive story, and, and I know a lot of work went into it, and, and I'm sure a lot of a lot of sleepless nights, not just for the work, but to know that everybody was going to have a different reaction to it. But I appreciate you coming on and uh, laying out where it all stands right now. 
Thanks so much. I just, the star team did an amazing job on this one, but uh, support local journalism. There's no Thanks question. So By paper. Alicia Hasham, our guest on Toronto today. It is one of the scenarios. We'll, we'll get more into it after seven o'clock. Um, yeah, I see this story about Toronto's recovery economically not being where it needs to be. That's got neither here nor there to do with, with anything John Tory did or didn't do or anything he says or doesn't say from this point forward. But there's a lot of interconnected pieces here with where the city goes and who's going to lead it. And I, I just, I, I just look at today and think this is not a helpful process in the short term or long term to have John Tory still where he is right now. And coming out later today and saying the budget process is this, this is going to be my last official day that quiets the masses down. And you kind of need that. And leaders are going to lead, and he needs to do that at this point in time. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Okay, to me... The out is an easy one here. We do in or out. Are you in on something, out on something? And uh, unless you're providing tremendous, tremendous financial incentive for those who need it, the middle seat on an airplane is a fate you wouldn't wish upon your enemies. It's cruel. It's unusual. I wish planes weren't made with three on one side and three on the other. I think there should be four and two. But, uh, but... (laughs) But uh, then you got to also then you might have a weight imbalance depending on the circumstances. Uh, Shiva Siddiqui, fly a lot. The middle seat. Hey, by the way, if you know people, fantastic. The middle seat doesn't matter. But I flew back from uh, Phoenix, uh, first world problems, on, uh, on, on an airline. And I was in the middle seat for four hours um, with somebody I didn't know on my left. And somebody, a male, and somebody I didn't know on my right, a female, on the window side, and I'm in the middle. And it's terrible. It's like the worst Did you pick your seat? I thought I picked, I thought (laughs) I switched. This is my glitchy computer moment. I thought I did when I checked in and got my boarding pass, and I was ding-dong-ding, switching seats around. And and I should have gone and said I have some kind of anxiety issue. That would have (laughs) worked. If I'd gone to the desk and... Made it up. See, this is the. I feel pri- like you would have been unique enough to come up with some kind of a privilege. Phobia. No, it's not. If I went on a plane also. and said I Dude, have an anxiety issue, they'd have like the the air marshal come and not. arrest me. Oh my god! And drag me away. You were on like nine different airplanes in 2022, <laughs> and I ne- I bet you've not ended up in the middle. Well, you're flying with family, but when you oh, f- I throw my kids in the middle. There's no way I'm Thank sitting you. in the middle. No, I'm out on the middle seat, but I'm also not willing to pay extra. I think, no, I think every, I think the aisles and the windows on those three seat areas should be $25 U.S. more. Oh, plus wow. tax. And you'd pay that. Plus state tax. I would have paid, oh my gosh, I would have paid close to 100 bucks more to be on, because <laughs> your only other options to pay, like, I, it, the thing flared up on the screen. Uh, like pay like $589, then they'll put you right at the front. Not even in a sleeping pod. I've never done one of those. I want to do one that oh, one time I've in my life. I've done it by fluke. I've done it. It's life-changing. It's ah! amazing. The rich know how to do it. They do it right. Um, 
Yeah, or collecting points. An anxiety issue. Do you think that would actually work? Yes, I do. I do. Or (gasps) or if I said I had a recent knee surgery, because I did fly once. I would be in Guantanamo Bay if I said- No, come on. Give me a break. An anxiety issue. People want to like you. You're very friendly. They don't- I don't think they suspect a thing. (laughs) There's no suicide vest strapped underneath my sweater. But I don't think that about me. I could be some kind of a weird uh, white supremacist if if I've got too punky a haircut. You'd fit right in in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with the uh, with okay, Carrie so Lake. wait, did you start yeah. a conversation with either person on either side of you? No. And, oh, wow, that must have been so hard for well, you. Well, there's two things you need to do here. The conversation I would start, um, by the way, you can text us on, on our in and out here, 416-870-6400. Can you absorb the middle seat? Is there any benefit to it? Um, there's two things that I think should be clear rules, and they're not. So someone needs to like run a campaign for this. You get both armrests if you're in the middle seat. I agree. But I didn't. You didn't so, even get one? No, burly dude next to me on awesome. the left side who's got the aisle, who was coughing nonstop. You can imagine. I, I, I'm sure your mask protected you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, but he coughed, he, and he would alternate between he'd cough into his sleeve, and then he'd use his left hand, and then that's he'd use his not, right hand. I'm like, so what annoyed. is going on here? Disgusting. Um, you get both armrests, but also you have to time your lavatory visit, Gord, with the aisle seat. <laughs> Yes. Somehow my bladder has to sync up to burly uh, aisle seat guy's bladder. The window is irrelevant. If the petite little woman that had been on my right side had needed to go to the bathroom, I have to get up anyway. But I want to get up when the aisle seat gets up. So there's rules. And I just think, I, you know, be a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Like, if your body <laughs> allows it, of course you'd like to make your trip to the lavatory when, when he goes on the outside. But I can't ask him to get up just for me, particularly if he's sleeping, and particularly because it's 1 a.m. And if he's sleeping, he's not coughing, hopefully. And so that would have been a little <laughs> bit of respite for you. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not a large dude. I'm like got a small frame, and the middle seat just sucks. Terrible. I mean, I tried last time I was on there. I tried sleeping. I had to hook my arms into my sleeve so that I could keep my arms to myself. I feel like I have to dislocate my shoulder just to eat. <laughs> I also felt like on the flight. I also felt like on the flight there were couples that were split up, and um, and that got separate seats. I know when we traveled at Christmas time, um, we didn't. There were four of us, but we didn't sit together. I'm not sure any of the four of us sat together because of of the the packed nature of the flight. And I'd be all for. By the way, the people that get on late, who who make you your flight late because they show up late. They should be guaranteed a middle seat. You should take all the, the side yeah, seats know, away if you're not on the plane in the first 20 minutes that they start boarding. So, but I'm first on the plane always because they say anybody who needs extra help or has young children. So my youngest is six and that's the You're going to hate when that day Oh, no. You're going to claim they're young that. when they're 15. I'm letting everybody know now. My kid's going to be 10. Yeah. I'm going to be like, no, he's six. He's six. We have to get off. I first. think you'll be doing it when your kids have their driver's license. <laughs> yeah, Anyone with young children, right. I'm like, 16's pretty young. Have you seen yeah. some yes. of their scrawlings? Exactly. But he has a beard. Their no, lack of maturity. Just, yes. He's Indian. Of course he has a beard and he's six. <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's there's a way to do this. And there's obviously, good when you reserve your seat assignment, there's obviously going to be a glut of middle seats. But I I got some I got some love for the for the companies that seem like discount airlines. Ryanair is one in Europe and Southwest is one in the US. You make passengers pick seats after they board. And if you board late, too bad. You're you're the meat in the uh in the human sandwich and you sit in the middle. Oh, Damn really? It. So it's first come, first serve on an airplane. On Southwest it is. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm in an awkward spot. If I look out the window, she feels like I'm staring at her. I could barely look out the window and enjoy the sights. I can't believe flying you went over the desert four hours without talking to anybody. <laughs> I'm shocked. Here's a text. Okay. Middle seat sucks. I had a lady who had the middle seat tell me she wanted my outside seat because she didn't want to sit next to a man. I said, sorry, I purposely booked an aisle seat and didn't give it up. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, it, it is really uncomfortable. And leg space. I just mentioned elbow space where there isn't like no one seems to get that the middle seat has to own both armrests. They have to, you have to give up that armrest on the middle because you can lean out the side or lean against the window. But the leg space thing, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. Like you can't, no. you can't annex it. You can't. Um, and when you touch somebody else's knee and you don't know them. Yeah. Jesus. Oh my. It's God. terrible. Hey, well, let me ask you this really quickly before okay, yeah. we go. You don't think you can wear shorts on an airplane. Why is that? Oh God, no! Absolutely not. <laughs> Just for that accidental knee touching. Right I there. I was about to take a what picture. What if it's a beautiful woman? No. I, <laughs> well, far be it for me to get in the way of uh, a her staffer fashion choices. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Going to London. <laughs> she's she's on the city hall payroll. Do you have to? Exactly. Must we? Um, then I well, I certainly don't want to brush my leg up against hers by accident. Bear. You'd have to give her a promotion. I do. Transfer over to another company. Can we? All right. Can another we? chorus company. <laughs> Honestly, I'm. Uh, I, it's it's a curse. It just is a curse. By the way, I would far rather um, two lovebirds strike up a conversation. Like like two lovebirds sit and I I can handle the middle because then you know you could switch if two people want to have a conversation. What if they don't and you're uh, stuck yeah. in the middle of their conversation? That's true. Middle of an argument. I don't know that the again. I think it's the bladder timing. For the, the bathroom visit with the ILC. Just do what I do. Don't drink anything and then you won't you have to use the bathroom. Uh, it's I don't like getting uh, people uh, asking them to get up just for me. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Um, if you didn't see it yesterday, I mean, things got really got kicked off by the idea that uh, both Doug Ford and the finance minister, Christian Freeland, had spoken out and reached out. Uh, to Mayor John Tory about staying, per se. Um, important to note, and Laura Stone um, noted this in the Globe and Mail, um, Freeland's office now officially denying this, saying it's not accurate. So I, I think you got to take her at face value there. This is what I would do. It may not be as simple as, as me saying this. If I'm a politician and you accuse me of something, I want to get to a camera and in front of a microphone as quickly as I can. I'm comfortable doing that. I'd rather deny something and explain it myself then have someone else do it. I also would do the same thing in a case like this. But um, I, so I think it's a source in Mayor Tory's office either got it wrong or got a little over exuberant on the idea that Minister Freeland called Mayor Tory about this. But this doesn't seem to be the case. And the deputy prime minister is on the record simply wishing him the best. That's a big difference between, hey, good luck with your future endeavors and please stay. I'm begging you to stay. Those are two very, very different things. I get it from Doug Ford's perspective because a lot of what Doug Ford wants for the province, John Tory seems willing to carry out. Um, let's ask our next guest what he thinks about some of this. He's the MP for Beaches East York. He is Nathaniel Erskine-Smith. It's great to have you on the show. You know, when I when we, we moved our time last week as I was away on Monday to today, I thought, well, we'll be all into uh, stag, stags and does, and we can talk about the process <laughs> of 
the fact that the last Stag and Doe I went to in the mid-90s cost me 12 bucks, and I, th- I think I won a raffle prize of, like, some London Knights tickets or something. But apparently yeah, it's more I, expensive I It's more expensive sure. to go to them um, in, in Western Ontario, where both you and I grew up, than ever before, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, where my wife's from in Lambton County, I think I spent 10 bucks at the last yeah. Stag and Doe, and I don't think I won anything. I think I, I lost money otherwise on some fair games and 50 50 raffle tickets and i probably spent 40 bucks overall <laughs> yeah maybe there's a crown and anchor wheel or something um but you don't you don't get a shot at, at land um in the green belt when you go to no, most no, uh, yeah, I, I made no money off of that attendance <laughs> um the, the timing of this i know i know you were very outspoken on this this is exactly the kind of stuff when um private lives cross into into per, in, into public lives and private Things cross into public things that makes people wary of politics and makes people skeptical that anybody they elect um, will end up uh, uh, doing the right thing here. It's incredibly frustrating for, for I think, people like you who believe in, in the process of being transparent and accountable. It is incredibly frustrating because it breaks trust and integrity is everything if we're doing this job right. And very few people see integrity in this business, unfortunately. And so they don't have trust in what we do. And they see it as a a game and people getting away with things. And in this case, how could they see it otherwise? You've got a situation where a stag and doe rarely happens in Toronto. A stag and doe is, in my experience, I didn't didn't know anything about stag and does growing up in Toronto. I learned about them through my wife in southwestern Ontario and rural southwestern Ontario. And as we joked at, at the hop, I mean, there, no one in, 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 in any universe is paying $1,000 to attend one of these things. And at the same time, you've got a situation where does the premier need to raise this kind of money to pay for his daughter's wedding? Does his daughter need to raise this kind of money? Absolutely not. And then, and then it's at his home that he's hosting. And you've got a situation where there are people sending invites to lobby firms saying 150 bucks a ticket saying we encourage a thousand dollar donations browbeating people to attend i mean it's a, it's outrageous on every level it's an abuse of trust and we put up with a lot of incompetence in this province and we shouldn't have to put up with corruption there certainly is a process isn't there to fundraising um for election campaigns there certainly is a, a you know a needed level of infrastructure for people to travel uh for people to be out there but but that doesn't seem like what this is and then you can't then say we've got a we, it's a personal private event that's a different story a fundraiser Nate kind of has to be laid out there and you say this is a fundraiser it's exactly what it what it's what it's advertised to be and then there's the, at least there's transparency and process to it you cannot use your public office to benefit yourself personally or to benefit those close to you your friends your family personally i joked i've never been to a uh, stag and doe that was described as very shady or, or just I've never been to one, let alone hosted one for a immediate family member. So this is obviously beyond the normal practice in politics. This is well beyond, I think, anyone looking at this from a reasonable perspective. Anyone certainly who's attended Stag and Doe before would say this is outrageous and unacceptable for anyone, any politician to do, let alone the premier of the largest province in this country, who at the same time as hosting something like this has turned around and benefited developer friends by opening up the green belt, something he said he would never do another undercutting of one's integrity. And so obviously there was a, there was a good article in the globe that basically said, if this is allowed, we need to change the rules. And I would say, yeah, of course we need to change the rules. 
We also need to change governments. Nathaniel Erskine Smith, our guest on 640 Toronto on Toronto Today. Um, your observations, given it's our first conversation about the news conference John Tory had Friday and the talk and speculation, I mentioned it out of the gate, um, that people have reached out to Mayor Tory encouraging him not to resign. Um, what I, I know you tweeted about it yesterday, but it, uh, I don't know even know how to put Friday's conversation and, and Friday's pledge by Mayor Tory into context of the idea that there's some wavering now that seemed pretty definitive on Friday. And again, if you're going to, if you want politicians to, to be believed by the public, you got to stick to these things. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. Hard to do because I would never have done what he did with a staffer, but here we are. And if you put yourself in his shoes on that late Friday where you quickly resign, you got to keep your word. And I know there were articles in the media and there's now this ridiculous poll asking people, should he stay? Should he go? At the end of the day, there is no dignity to this. And that's what he promised to restore to city hall. And he should not be there to preside over the budget. He should not be there to continue on and to hem and haw and, and dither on this. He promised to go and he's got to keep that promise. When you are weighing becoming the Ontario Liberal leader, the goal eventually is to become the premier of this province. What should the relationship be with the premier of Ontario and the mayors of the larger cities? It's not just Toronto, obviously, Ottawa, Hamilton, London, wherever. Um, you, you'd be the premier for all those mayors. It, 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 like there has to be a balancing act and there has to be a relationship where, where both sides hold each other accountable. What should the relationship be? There's accountability to that relationship, and there's also got to be collaboration to that relationship. But I, I wouldn't just hold out the prospect of collaboration accountability as between the premier and large city mayors. I just had a great conversation on the podcast I host with Amy Martin. She's the mayor of Norfolk County. And there's a, a huge generational change happening in other municipalities across this province, She's 34. She's a wicked smart mayor, hardworking from Norfolk County, representing Norfolk County. Michelle Boileau, a mayor of Timmins, also 34. There's a generational change happening. There's a way they believe in doing politics differently. And I think there's a, a huge opportunity to make a difference across this province where you, ha you renew the relationship as between the premier and the provincial government. And not only large city mayors, of course, large city mayors, but also mayors of, of smaller municipalities and counties. And the, the core to this has to be to make sure that there is accountability for sure, but collaboration and open lines of communication. You can't have a situation where the premier steps up and says, we're going to build more housing, but we're going to gut municipal finances and causing chaos and, and building no housing in the process. we got a couple of minutes here. I know um, you've gotten a, a reading of Bill C-293, which is the Pandemic Prevention and Preparedness Act. It's um, The timing of this is obviously important and interesting, given a year ago at this time, we're, we're just getting things done in Ottawa via the Emergencies Act, and, and there will obviously be um, a, a judgment on that coming out in a little bit. But the idea of what we got right, what we got wrong, and how we move forward and, and just do a better job with future pandemics is something that's been you've been passionate about and it's been important to you and, and, and your constituents. And the core idea here is to make sure that this government, all future governments, regardless of political stripe, pays attention to and takes seriously prevention and preparedness efforts. We are all busy with our own lives. We are not going to be able to look over our shoulder and say, hey, government, are you paying attention to this? Five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, eventually 
We are not going to be in having conversations about the effectiveness of masks. We're not going to be having conversations about the fifth and sixth and seventh dose of, of, of vaccines. We're going to be on to our lives and on to other things. And we need to make sure that governments continue to pay attention to preparedness and prevention efforts because it's pretty simple. The cost of prevention is a tiny fraction of the cost of living through a pandemic as we've, as we've just learned to, to a tragic degree. And so as with climate, as with pandemics, as with any of these major challenges that can come with such significant costs, but are possibly further out uh, into the future and, and require a level of prevention preparedness today, let's just make sure the government doesn't lose sight of, of the goal here and, and that there's a, a team at public health, a team at the Public Health Agency of Canada, who's going to make sure that they're doing everything they can starting tomorrow, next year, the year after, to make sure we're prepared and, and that we take steps to prevent future pandemics. Yeah, it puts a lot of emphasis and, and onus on the Minister of Health as well um, to be the, the, part of the job has to be to be prepared in the in the in the moments before, not during and certainly not after. Nate, we, we got to leave it there. Thanks so much for the time today. And I know we'll get to talk real soon. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, our guest, Liberal MP for Beaches East York.